0: Opinions expressed in the following program may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State.
1: Keep on trying till I reach my highest ground.
0: Life in Colorado.
2: Hello and welcome to Life in Colorado. I'm your host, Maria Oliver. And November is Alzheimer's Awareness Month along with Caregiver's Month. So we wanted to bring somebody in who could speak a little bit about this deadly disease and also give us some passive understanding. I know that a lot of us view Alzheimer's as just someone just getting old and and that's just the way it kind of happens, but it's not. It's actually a disease and it actually kills So we definitely need to take some time to address this issue and see if we can raise some awareness. Today we're speaking with Amelia Schaefer. She's the Executive Director of the Alzheimer's Association of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us, Amelia.
1: Thank you so much for asking.
2: What exactly is Alzheimer's?
1: That's a great question. We get that question a lot. People ask us, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? And I think you answered it beautifully when you said Alzheimer's is a disease that will kill you. It's a neurodegenerative disease. Dementia is not a disease. Dementia just describes the symptoms that are associated with Alzheimer's. So 70% of cases of dementia are actually caused by Alzheimer's disease. And then we have other dementias such as vascular, Lewy body, Parkinson's. There are multiple that can cause similar, but really Alzheimer's and dementia can be used interchangeably because the majority of dementia is Alzheimer's just speaking for someone
2: who, who has older relatives, and, and I myself, I'm getting a little more forgetful as, as time goes on, and I'm okay with that. I don't always need to know exactly where my keys are. It's okay. But what is the difference between a mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's?
1: Yeah, and that's a good question, too. Mild cognitive impairment really, in many cases, is a pre-Alzheimer's. In fact, probably a little over half of people who are diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment go on to then develop Alzheimer's disease. Really, the big difference is how early you catch it. And so for mild cognitive impairment, it still is noticeable. It can affect your daily life. It just doesn't affect your daily functioning in the same way. Simple things, you mentioned your keys, which um, I think many of us drop things, we forget things, we don't know where we left our phone, our keys, our glasses, our wallet. And some of that's normal, but what isn't normal is when you can't retrace your steps. You know, you and I, if we forget our keys or can't find our keys, we think, when did we last drive? We retrace our steps, we find them in the refrigerator. Might not be unusual, maybe we were putting away groceries. However, if that's something that happens frequently, especially if it starts happening more frequently and in concert with other things, that's really when you should be concerned.
2: Is there a particular age when when we should all start to pay a little bit more attention?
1: Yeah, we know that 1 in 10 folks at 65 has Alzheimer's disease. And by eighty five, one in 3. So you can see age, unfortunately, is the number one risk factor of Alzheimer's, although Alzheimer's is not a normal part of aging. So it is a disease. Some people get it. Some don't. But age happens to be the number one risk factor. What we do know, though, is there are a couple hundred thousand people out there in the country right now under the age of 65 living with Alzheimer's disease. This is a very rare form of the disease. People in their 40s and 50s, as you can imagine, the kind of the life trajectory is a bit different then. Still really just a tragic progression of the disease, though.
2: And and how can you kind of tell? How can you spot the symptoms as opposed to someone who's just, you know, a little bit forgetful, a little bit tired, or, or someone who's constantly telling you, oh, I'm not asleep, I'm just resting my eyes? How... Do you differentiate that from, no, really, Grandma, l- let's go to the doctor?
1: Yeah, I think one of the most important things to know is that because Alzheimer's is a disease, it's not a normal part of aging, we do actually have warning signs of Alzheimer's. And we have them categorized as 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's. We have them listed on our website. You can go Google those. Uh, maybe you'll put them up on your, <laughs> on your website. Oh, no, uh, actually, go ahead and give me yeah. that website address. Yeah, alz.org forward slash co for Colorado. So I, I think some of the things we think about with Alzheimer's are forgetfulness. Absolutely, that is one of the top warning signs. But it's a specific kind of forgetfulness. It's the kinds of things that happened recently. So someone with Alzheimer's will typically remember things from 20, 30, 50 years ago, crystal clear. But they don't remember if they ate breakfast or if they took their pills. They don't remember their daughter called them last night. And so people get confused because they say, well, my mom has an excellent memory but what it is is the short-term memory versus long-term. And so if you notice problems with short-term memory, things that happened recently, that is a huge warning sign of Alzheimer's. And, so, and, and it's very unique and specific to a progressive dementia like Alzheimer's. Other changes might include things like personality changes, someone who's always been neat and tidy, all of a sudden, maybe not so much. Um, you'll also notice some personality changes, people maybe who've been easygoing, tend to get a little more anxious and agitated. Uh, They also have trouble with things like balancing their checkbook, things that require abstract thinking in our minds. And I think the biggest piece of this, Maria, is when these are changes from who the person has always been. I think that's probably the biggest change. You know, if someone's always been kind of flaky, (laughs) then probably that's not a sign of Alzheimer's for them. But if they were always very diligent and conscientious, and now they don't seem to remember details, they can't keep track of things, that to me is a huge warning sign and that's when we tell families to go see your doctor
2: okay now just to expose my own ignorance on this topic is alzheimer's hereditary is it environmental is it something that you catch and i I hate to say that because that just sounds ridiculously silly but but how does this enter a person's life
1: You know, I don't think any of those questions are off base. Those are all questions I've heard before. This is still a disease we don't know a lot about. You know, the diseases of our time, you have to really conduct research in order to find out more about them. So we still don't know how Alzheimer's disease begins. We know what happens by the time we can autopsy someone, but we don't know what starts first, what comes next. There is still such a mystery in the brain. So here are some things we do know, though. We know that if you have a family history of Alzheimer's, you do have an increased risk. The problem is, we don't know exactly how much. Is it 10% increase, 50% increase? That's the part that becomes a challenge. We also know that there are multiple risk factors to Alzheimer's, things like lifestyle. Um, So people who are at risk for heart disease and um, diabetes and blood pressure have higher risks of getting Alzheimer's. People who um, have had head injuries, unfortunately, have a higher risk of getting Alzheimer's. People who carry specific genetic mutations also have a higher likelihood of getting Alzheimer's. So it's not just one answer, and that's why we have so much research happening in a variety of different ways to really find what's the magic key here uh, so that we can really unlock um, how we find a cure and end this disease.
2: Um, definitely we, we've, we've dug into a little bit of the what, but let's get into the what do we do? Uh, what do we do as we see, you know, your favorite auntie who's always been this bubbly light just kind of, um, you know, changing a, a little bit? And as you mentioned, maybe someone who's who was incredibly neat now isn't. I mean, what do you do when you see a, a loved one? You see some changes. You know this person. You've known this person your entire life. The ins and outs, the what makes them happy, what makes them sad, and all of a sudden that changes. What do
1: you do? Yeah, and I think this is um, the million-dollar question because it's going to be different for every situation. We always urge talking to the person. We always urge that when possible, talk to the person and ask if they're okay. Tell them what you're seeing. Tell them you love them. Tell them you want to be there to help them. Tell them you want to go see the doctor with them. So you can figure out what's going on and maybe it's something that needs to change in their daily life or in their medication because there are people who think they have Alzheimer's that once they get to the doctor, they find out, oh, no, it wasn't Alzheimer's. It was a urinary tract infection or it was a medication interaction or it was a vitamin B12 deficiency. So we always urge starting with the person, you know, out of love and concern for them. Now, we also know uh, from experience that that doesn't always fly. Many times people will say, oh no, no, I am fine. I am just fine. What do you mean I didn't take a shower? I took a shower this morning. What do you mean I have to stop driving? So in that case, family caregivers really do have to be a little more assertive. And that's very tough because you wanna do it with love and dignity for the person, but you also have the safety of the community to to really think about. So if you can get them to the doctor, I, I've known, um, I knew one gentleman who was a caregiver for his wife. He suspected she had Alzheimer's, she wouldn't go to the doctor. So he said to her, honey, we're getting to be that age where I think we should go get a checkup at the doctor. You and me together, we'll schedule our appointments together. He was able to do it in a very dignified way for her and to help her save face because it's it's also very tough for the person. And so sure enough they went, he and that is when he got the formal diagnosis of Alzheimer's and he could then reach out for help. But until you know what you're dealing with, it's really tough to make a plan. It's really tough to know how to how to move ahead. There are some medications for Alzheimer's that treat the symptoms of the disease, the memory loss and some of the clarity in thinking. They don't treat the disease. So they're really kind of a band-aid, but they do work for some folks taking them. And right now, unfortunately, they're the best we've got because we still do not yet have our first survivor of Alzheimer's.
2: Okay. Now, uh, we're actually gonna take a little bit of a break and then we're gonna come back and and hit on something that you grazed over, the individuals who care for the family members. Uh, Give us one moment, we'll be right back. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. And we're back, we're speaking with Amelia Schaefer, specifically about Alzheimer's, but now we're gonna get a little bit into the caregivers. Uh, I, I noticed there's a commemoration month going on as far as Family Caregivers Month, that's that's right now as well, correct? That is correct. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about who the caregivers are and, and some of the stressors that they, as people who are taking care of someone, need to take care of for themselves. We're always taking care of everybody else. It's great, it's wonderful but you have to take care of yourself or you can't help anybody.
1: That's right. To give you some context, um, in Colorado right now, 71,000 individuals are living with Alzheimer's, and we have another 250,000 unpaid, often family, caregivers. So we're talking about a huge chunk of individuals out there uh, who are caregivers, and these are people who might not even identify themselves that way. Maybe they just go check in on mom, mom's still living at home alone, They go check in, they make sure she's eaten dinner, they fill her medication box, um, and so things can be very light. It can just be a phone check-in. The unfortunate part is with a disease like Alzheimer's, today will always be the best day cognitively for the person because it is a degenerative disease, meaning that it progresses over time, usually on average 8 to 10 years. So by the end of Alzheimer's disease, people do need 24-7 care. They not only need supervision for safety and to make sure they eat, but, but they eventually need supervision so that they don't walk out and start wandering and get lost in a snowstorm, which unfortunately happens. They then eventually will need help with physical tasks. They will need help getting dressed and bathing. They'll eventually need help, but they won't even be able to get out of bed by themselves. So this is a horrible disease. Many people think it's just a little memory loss, and that is... Really, truly one of the biggest myths. It affects every part of your brain, which means it affects every part of who you are and what you're able to do for yourself. And so we know that, unfortunately, caregivers face a huge burden and are very stressed about it. We know that they have the highest stress levels because of some of the behavioral and agitation and anxiety behind uh, Alzheimer's disease. And unfortunately, we also know that the majority of people, you know, it can, it can really tear a family apart. If you have a family coming together, it can bring out a lot of challenges in families as well. Uh, two-thirds of the caregivers out there are women. Uh, I think that's common in a lot of disease processes. But in this case, it's a lot of elderly women. And so unfortunately, what we see is that many times the caregiver dies before the person with Alzheimer's because of the stress associated with it. And this is its a shocking fact, I think, for people to understand that Alzheimer's is the number one caregiving disease for caregiver mortality that is higher than the person living with the disease. So it's, you know, we're we're talking about not just the impact on the person, but the impact on the individual caregiver or the family or community that's around this person.
2: Now, uh, we mentioned this before, but uh, there's a a good component to this. November is National Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month and Family Caregiver Month, as proclaimed by President Ronald Reagan, whose wife, Nancy, of course, uh, eventually became his caregiver after he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's back in 1994.
1: That's right. Yeah, actually, it was in the 80s that Mm. he proclaimed this National Mm. Alzheimer's Disease Month, long before he himself was living with the disease. and. Um, It was at the urging of the founder of the Alzheimer's Association that that happened. We were founded by a volunteer. um, And so, you know, it's unfortunate we have grown as the need for our services have grown. We've grown into doing more public policy to try to make sure the policies out there are supportive of caregivers as well as being supportive of people with Alzheimer's. And as I said earlier, we are still on the quest to find our first survivor of Alzheimer's. So the research is a big piece of what we're doing as well.
2: Now, a little bird told me that
1: you're on your way to Denver downtown for something. I am. Yes, the Denver City Council this evening is going to be issuing a proclamation um, that this is uh, uh, National Alzheimer's Disease Month in Denver as well. And they've done this every year. And You know, the the interesting thing is you can't just go get a proclamation for anything, but every year we have found that someone on city council has a personal connection to this disease. And so often they will reach out to us and say, you know, my mom is living with Alzheimer's or my grandpa died of Alzheimer's or my husband currently has Alzheimer's. And I want to make sure we honor the Alzheimer's Association and, and really raise awareness about this disease in our community.
2: No, we'll tell Mayor Hancock and the folks downtown I said, hey. (laughs) We will. Um, Now, you mentioned that this information is on your website, uh, but I just wanted to kind of go over it a little bit more. There are some educational classes and information near individuals. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. And we we actually have eight offices across the state of Colorado, but the majority of our work is actually done through our volunteers. We have over a 1,000 volunteers helping us out. And they might be at the local senior center or library running a support group. We have many community education classes. So we have a, a whole class on know the 10 signs. Remember earlier we talked about what are the signs of Alzheimer's. We have a class on maintaining your brain, how to, how to have a healthy brain as long as you can. We teamed up with the Mayo Clinic to find out what does the best research tell us about what you and I, Maria, can do today. Uh, to hopefully reduce our risks of Alzheimer's. Now, I will tell you, we still don't have a cure because we still don't know what causes it exactly. So when you see people out there talking about the ability to prevent Alzheimer's, that would be a dream for us. But we still have nothing out there that we know with 100% accuracy that prevents Alzheimer's. So we typically talk about the things you can do to reduce your risk factors of Alzheimer's. So on that side, you know, um, stress is a, is a big deal. So many times caregivers feel the stress of being a caregiver and often wonder if they might be getting Alzheimer's. That's pretty rare. That doesn't frequently happen, but it's truly the stress that can cause memory loss and can cause mood changes and make them feel disorganized. So yeah, you know, I think caregivers have a lot to to um, learn about what kind of resources are out there for them.
2: One of the the class topics was effective communication strategies, and I think you kind of gave me an example of that between the the husband and the wife and the "Hey, come on." But but could we dig into that a little bit more? Because sometimes it's not so much what you say to someone but how you
1: say it to someone. That's exactly right. Actually, that's one of my favorite classes because, you know, communication makes the world go round. It's what makes relationships work or not work. And it's no different in the relationship with a caregiver and the person they love who might have Alzheimer's. The difference is the person with Alzheimer's is losing parts of their brain that allow them to compensate for some of the challenges in communication. They often can't handle... Communication going as quickly, so we tell people to slow down, give one sentence at a time, or ask one question at a time, or give one direction at a time. We tell people to repeat themselves. We have a whole set of communication tips, and you know I've used them all myself as I've worked with people with dementia, and and they appreciate that. Um, they appreciate when someone knows how to communicate. We have a really cool program in the community where we train. Um, people who are at the Museum of Nature and Science and the Art Museum, we train the docents in how to communicate with people with alzheimer 's and then they put on special activities for people with alzheimer 's where they are um, they don 't talk quite as much, they use more visual cueing, they point to the art more they, they make it much more accessible and so that the person with alzheimer 's can be successful because you know Maria. If I don't feel good, if I'm embarrassed because I can't remember what we were talking about, I'm probably going to shut down, and I'm probably not going to want to come here and visit with you any longer. So it makes a huge difference in how we interact with each other.
0: You're a successful sales pro. You're making good money. So what's missing? Do you need something bigger than commissions? Salem Media Group in Denver is seeking an integrated marketing consultant who shares our sense of mission and wants to grow with a great company. We need an experienced, uncompromising self-starter who understands selling, marketing, and ad strategies for digital and broadcast. Join our team and fuel that fire in your belly as you work with existing clients and develop new business in the Denver Metro. Go to SalemMedia.com careers for more.
2: And now we're speaking with Amelia Schaefer. She's with the Alzheimer's Association, uh, the Colorado chapter. Let's talk about resources that are available, uh, 800 numbers, websites, places to go. Because I, I know, as I mentioned before, when you're a caregiver, you're not really thinking about caring for yourself. So where can we direct these individuals who may just have some, some starter questions or, or maybe just tipping their toe into getting some assistance?
1: Yeah, I think the two best places to go first is our 800 number which is 1-800-272-3900. One more time. one 272 3900 And this is a 24-7 helpline. They get thousands of questions on this helpline. They get between five and 600 questions just from Colorado every month. Everything from, you know what, I think I might be losing my memory. Should I be concerned? What should I do? Everything from that to, you know, the person with Alzheimer's is trying to drive. How do I stop them? Because I know that that's gonna cause chaos. So they give practical tips. They give, they're really a supportive ear. And you don't have to explain. Once you say they have Alzheimer's or dementia, the people on this helpline understand what that means. They can also help you find local resources. If you're looking, you know, if you're living in a, in a smaller town and you don't know who to go see, if there's a, you want to get your finances in order and you want to know someone who specializes in elder law, we have resource lists on those as well. So it's a great resource, as well as our website, alz.org forward slash co. This gives you all the specific things you can find here in Colorado. Where can you find one of those Know the Ten Signs classes, or when's the next communication class, or what about that one on behaviors and agitation, and how do you handle that? So um, so I'd say our website and our 800 line, they're accessible 24-7. You get responsive, um, wonderful information. And then we have about 100 support groups across Colorado. So we have that fluctuates depending on how many we have at any given moment. But um, those are great places to get together with a group of people who are either going through or who have been through what you're going through. I find the absolute best advice in our support groups. If I want to know how to deal with an issue like voting, you know, tis the season, should someone with Alzheimer's vote? This is a question we get. Do they have the right to vote? Does it matter their capacity? What kind of assistance do you give? How much do you help them? You know, three pages (laughs) of the ballot, how much do you help? So there are lots of questions like that that can be answered in support groups and really just the peers you meet who understand what you're going through. And then the education classes we talked about. And then um, last but not least, we also have fantastic social workers who will help you and understand what you're doing in your family and create a customized plan to know what to do going forward. The important thing to know is that all of our services are free of charge to families. We do not charge for any of them because we are a nonprofit, and we rely on the support of our communities. And so through all the financial support we get, we're able to offer everything free of charge for families.
2: All righty. Thank you so much for joining us, Amelia. Do you have any, any events coming up anywhere where individuals could, could connect with you?
1: Yeah, we have a few exciting things happening. Actually, for the first time ever here in Colorado, we're having an Advocacy Day at the Capitol That'll be on February 28th. This is really a way to lift our voices and lift the concerns for Colorado to legislators about this disease. We want to make sure they're supportive of family caregivers and they're aware of what these communities are facing and what they're going through. So if you want to learn more, you can call that 800 number we talked about earlier, 1-800-272-3900. That's 1-800-272-3900. 1-800-272-3900. And really, that is the great – it's a great uh, front door to everything we do. And so to find out more about that advocacy day and to come down and support and tell people that Alzheimer's is an important cause to support, um, that's uh, important. I think the second thing is, you know, we are always pushing for research. We know that to find an end to this disease, we have got to do it through research. So we're trying to get not only funding for research, but also get people involved in clinical trials. And so calling that 800 number can, can help you understand the best ways to support research or to get involved in research. Whether you have Alzheimer's, you're a caregiver, or you're a healthy participant, that could be you, Maria. Um, so that, that's something we're always looking for. And then finally, a big deal happening in, in uh, Colorado on April 29th is the Rocky Mountain Conference on Dementia. This is a one day for anyone who's interested, whether you're a healthcare professional, you've just been diagnosed, or you're a caregiver. It's a one day we get together in Denver Tech Center, have a plethora of wonderful speakers. It's a really good day to uh, learn a lot about Alzheimer's and, um, and really understand uh, what you need to do going forward.
2: Thank you so much for joining us, Amelia. I, I appreciate all the good information and definitely we appreciate that hotline number.
1: Thank you, Maria.
2: Richard Robertson is the show producer. I'm Maria Oliver, and this is Life in Colorado.
0: If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.